Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, November 14th, 2022, the 663rd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast on a range of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find all of that as well as my merch store by going to linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So I just returned from a weekend at ThreadFest, ThreadFest 2. Just want to give a shout out to the great Patrick Gunnels for setting all of that up. It was really great to meet so many of you. I had a number of lovely conversations over the weekends with people who 
tune into my show or who tune into Badlands shows or any of our individual shows. And the outpouring of support was very fortifying for all of us. People were telling us how nice it was to meet us. I promise you it was just as nice for us to meet all of you. So before we get started talking about anything else, I want to discuss how we are using social media and how that should be seen in terms of what we've experienced over the last few years with legacy social media in the censorship environment and how social media should be used going forward. Now, what brought this to mind this morning was a comment in the reply section to a post I put up on Truth Social and on Telegram showing that Jack Maxey has now gone fully anti-Trump. He put up a couple of posts over on Getter. He is apparently still trying to seem relevant. And I guess the way that he thought he would accomplish that was by joining the anti-Trump crowd. Now, there's a good chance when you see something like this that the person doing it was always in the anti-Trump crowd. And for someone like Jack Maxey, that sort of analysis makes a lot of sense. Jack Maxey kind of became a household name among people on our side of the fence when he seemed to be the guy that was doing the analysis on the Hunter Biden laptop and was putting out some of the information on the laptop. This was in that late October, early November period of 2020 when the laptop news first went wide. And all he had basically done at the time was find some of the pictures and some of the damaging text messages and put those out. There is no proof anywhere that he's spent any time in the two plus years since actually analyzing that laptop and sharing his work with the public or anyone else. Could he have some master plan going on behind the scenes? I guess so. But there's no reason to think he is. And when he comes out as strongly anti-Trump, there's every reason to believe that he never was. So I posted about this and someone replied basically saying, like, go give him hell. Go tell him what's up, Chris. And I'm more than happy to do that. I always am. But I'm not the only one who can do it. Now, maybe this person was just giving me a uh, add a boy, go get him. Totally cool. Maybe they don't have getter and couldn't write the reply themselves. But it also struck me that perhaps people are looking to others to say the things that they want to say to people that they view as somehow, you know, more powerful and that it should be up to those of us with larger public voices to confront these people. And that makes sense as well. I have no problem with that. But that's not the most effective way to go about handling these things on social media. Yes, it is worse per post for these people to get called out by bigger accounts, but that's not where the real effect of social media comes in. The real effect comes in with the volume. And I also want to mention that no one has to use my tactics. I go pretty hard on social media because I am totally fine with the consequences of that. I'm prepared to spend some time mixing it up 
with people online and I'm prepared to hear them be very mean to me because I don't care. But that's not how everyone wants to spend their day and no one actually has to. But what you can do is go to those posts and say things like you're lying or this is a lie or hey, you don't really believe that, do you? Call these people clowns. Tell them it's nice to see where they really stand. There are plenty of things that you can comment on posts like Jack Maxey's post that will not set your day adrift into a storm of negativity, but will also have a cumulative effect when everybody's doing it. If you want to make someone show who they really are, you go after them a little bit. I'm not saying be mean. I'm not saying be personal. And you definitely shouldn't even hint around anything that could be construed as violent. But the effect of hundreds or maybe thousands of people telling these people that they can see what they're doing, they can see that they're lying, they don't appreciate this point of view. Well, maybe you'll make that person amend their behavior. Maybe they'll look at the situation again and decide, Okay, maybe this is not quite the way I thought it was. And we can see a bit of that and the effect it has over the last week with all the conservative incorporated media people who immediately turned on Donald Trump as soon as the votes were being counted on election night last week. A lot of people just watched the TV and believed what the TV was telling them. There's no red wave. It's all Donald Trump's fault. We need to immediately move on. It was stupid of Donald Trump to support those candidates. It was stupid for the Republican base to vote for MAGA candidates in primaries. This is all Donald Trump's fault. He has ruined our chance at a red wave. And it's time for the party to move on to Ron DeSantis or to Chris Sununu or Glenn Youngkin or Pence, or Pompeo, or Nikki Haley, or whoever else. They're mentioning basically anyone's name. They are trying to elevate certain people into the national conversation. All of these people are, of course, figures of the establishment, except for maybe DeSantis. And who knows? You want to call Pence and Pompeo wild cards? You think Pence and Pompeo are good guys? Have at it. I'm not going to sit here and attempt to prove you wrong. Maybe you're right. Let's see what happens. That's not the standpoint I take, but that's because I think the process is playing out in a different way than many of my friends see the process playing out. And that's just fine. I'll be right or they'll be right. And we'll continue being friends. But Conservative Incorporated sprung into action. It was pretty clearly a coordinated effort to destroy Trump and demoralize MAGA. It came at the same time for the same reason. They used a lot of the same language. They directed their efforts at the same emotional response. And pretty much everyone doing it was someone you could immediately see was actually anti-Trump and anti-MAGA deep down. Doesn't matter how much they've flirted with the idea of Trump said when Trump is doing something good, that's always Ben Shapiro's take. Hey, gang, I'm a straight shooter. 
I'm going to tell you when Trump does something good. I'm going to tell you when Trump does something bad. That's what it means to be objective and honest. But no, that's what it means to string an audience along while limiting the range of acceptable opinions to only the ones you want. You never actually try to understand Trump or what Donald Trump means or what the MAGA movement is. It's just egomaniac, dumb guy, and all of his stupid supporters. All of them, they're the problem. That's what Ben Shapiro's argument was. That's not something he just came to after seeing the results of an election as reported to us by the television. And hey, guys, it's worth pointing out that the Associated Press does not determine who wins an election or when that election is over. I imagine we will begin to see efforts to prevent certification of candidates elected as the result of a fraudulent election. And so at least for now, all that's happened is that the television has told us what they want us to believe. What happened last week is that Donald Trump's interactions, his statements about Ron DeSantis, have smoked out a lot of these people. Everyone at the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, Matt Walsh, almost everyone at Fox News, the writers at the various quote unquote conservative globalist outlets like the National Review, Commentary, the Dispatch some lunatic who goes by Bonchi at Red State, some clownish little communist on Twitter named Will Chamberlain, and even people like Officer Tatum. You don't ride the Trump train until the end and also be the guy that jumps off in the middle and tells everyone, oh, this was always the wrong train. But there were some other writers who didn't go quite as hard. They said that it was probably time to move on. They preferred Ron DeSantis. And those people got blown up in their comments as well. And some of them have scaled back on that pretty substantially over the last week. Now, you got to give a little room for some of these people because there was a major psychological operation being waged over the last two years that made it very, very dangerous to talk about election fraud. And it was easy for all of these people because everyone in their community took the same perspective. It was easy for them to just move past it. They're like, well, Joe Biden's been inaugurated. These court cases haven't worked out. Every smart person I know, which to them is just other people like them, agree that there was no election fraud. So there was no election fraud. Let's just move on. Well, now they're getting round two of that and they're seeing it in their faces with what's happening in Arizona and elsewhere. And the entire system is starting to become visible to these people and to the extent to which they're prepared to respond properly to this situation as it develops in their minds. I'm content to give them a brief grace period and see if they figure it out. But the reason they are being pushed off that original position is because people are telling them what's what in the replies on Twitter. 
for most of these people. Most of them are not on social media. They're not on Telegram. And you should learn something from that just on its own. They kept themselves in the informational bubble on Twitter. They kept themselves at the intellectual kids table. They knew the conversation there was censored. They knew that there were a bunch of things that they could get in trouble for saying, and they stayed in that place anyway. They did not realize that if they were being censored, if there were things that they were not allowed to say without getting in trouble in their position, their lofty position of influence and power, then there were probably a whole lot more things that other people were not allowed to say. All the people who had already been censored and banned, but they got scared enough. They value their platform more than they value the truth. Maybe they are just intellectually lazy, but they chose to stay at the kids table and at the kids table with a high level of censorship. They're not getting the full conversation. Many of these people are encountering the situation as it is and as it has been for the first time. And they don't understand anything that's happened over the last two years in terms of election integrity. They don't understand what the system actually is. And that's why you'll hear them make ridiculous suggestions. And this one has been all over the media for the past two or three days that the Republicans really need to just up their efforts in terms of ballot harvesting themselves. This is the game now. This is the game that the Democrats are playing. They're playing it so much better than us. That's why they won these real elections. Sure, it wasn't fair, but it is legal. So now we need to get good at it. They think that this is a smart response, and they think that because they are still accepting the central narrative that this candidate and this candidate and this candidate won, and the reason they won is because the MAGA candidate wasn't strong enough to win, and the Democrats simply did a better job on the ground in the few weeks before the election of collecting all the votes, as if there are just these little pots of votes placed all over the city and there's a starting gun and everyone has to race and gather the votes and whoever gathers up the most votes at the end wins. Well, that's crazy. That's not how it works. The uniparty structure in place to rig elections controls the voter registries. They control the ballot printing. They control the distribution of the ballots. They control the harvesting of the ballots and they control the counting of the ballots. That's the entire process of the ballots. And that's what happens when we have mail-in balloting widespread. You can't counter that system by setting up more ways to harvest and collect more ballots. They can just print more and assign them to more registered voters and then harvest them themselves and then count them themselves. We're not all racing to one pile of ballots because that pile of ballots can expand whenever the uniparty needs it to expand. That's what we're watching. They don't even require voters for these ballots. Think of it The way the Fed prints money, the uniparty needs more money. Well, then the Fed just prints more. 
and then you see inflation increase and you think, well, I better work a lot harder to make enough money to counteract the fact that the Fed just changed how much my money is worth. And by working so much harder, you're going to actually stop inflation. It's just not how it works. The system is the system. You can't out collect the Uniparty in their ballot harvesting operation because they control every aspect of it. They choose where the ballots are sent in the first place and they know where to pick them up. So the acceptance of the central narrative in the first place is already wrong. The problem is election fraud. The problem is that there are illegal things going on in all of these places. The system exists. It has been proven to exist. People have spent the last two years collecting countless forms of evidence that the system exists. The system is being abused. And no, it's not all they stole the election legally. That is not what it is. Sure, they change laws in certain places and then take advantage of the loopholes they've created. There is no doubt that that is part of it. And if you want to say that's just fine and, oh, they stole it legally, still doesn't make any sense. But okay, I understand what you think is happening. You're not all the way there, but you're partially there. And it's nice that you're on the way. But the point I really want to make here is that people who initially thought all of this is Donald Trump's fault, all of this is MAGA's fault. When you see those people backing off that stance and then moving to a retreat position, that means the initial narrative isn't working. It has failed already, at least for them, most likely because of the amount of heat they're getting in their mentions from normal people saying simple things. These people are out there spouting all of their ignorant opinions because they don't actually know anything. If they knew things, they wouldn't be saying all of this dumb stuff as if it's smart. And because they know that they don't really know anything about election fraud, it is a very insecure position for them. So when they're seeing their comments come in and 90% of them are telling them that they're wrong and that people see what they're doing or they're lying or they're embarrassing themselves. People who aren't in committed positions, people who aren't committed to being never Trump, aren't committed to covering up election fraud, will actually begin to rethink their positions. And that's why it's so important to get the volume in there. You might find it entertaining when I go after these people. And of course, I do try to make it entertaining, but I'm not the only one with a voice. You have a voice. There's no reason to be scared of losing your platform on Twitter. I was off there for two years. I actually think the conversation is much smarter away from Twitter. And I'm not interested in knowing what I would be thinking, what my life would be like if I had subjected myself to that environment for the last two years. It's very stupid at the kids' table. But this is a distinction that I want everyone to understand between legacy social media with the censorship environment, with the algorithms and the more free speech environments like we find on Getter and Gab and Truth Social and Telegram and elsewhere. 
I have said many times that legacy social media is primarily a demoralization machine. You can get some information on there, but it's going to hurt. If you try to share it, you're going to be attacked by bots or maybe your friends and family members and neighbors. They might say mean things to you because they think that you are totally working with the enemy now. And you got to understand that to them in their current state of mind, you are okay. You are part of their enemy. They do not want to be wrong. They can't afford to be wrong because they know what they've said. They know what they've done. They know how they've treated people and they don't want to be exposed as having been wrong from the beginning, but they were wrong from the beginning. They do look at you as an enemy and you can look at them in as many kind ways as you want. And I hope that you can be kind and can offer grace. But you also need to understand that they are doing the work of the enemy, whether or not they know it. If your first priority is to say things that they will accept and not say things that will anger them, then what you're doing on social media is not the most effective thing you can be doing. And it may not be something that's helping at all. People don't need to see some weak amount of truth. They need to see the truth. They can reject it as many times as they want. If they eventually reject you as well, that should tell you all you need to know about your standing with that person and your relationship with them. And I understand that it hurts to think about. No one wants to think about losing friends. But if you lose friends for saying what you know to be true, then those friends don't respect you. It's not a personal attack on one of your friends to say that elections are stolen. And if they turn that around and then personally attack you, you don't have to feel like you're the bad guy. This is one of the dynamics that makes the demoralization machine so powerful, particularly when they have the algorithms that show you what you see on there. And then the posts you make, the algorithm decides who sees those posts. The algorithm exists to be able to influence your mood throughout the day. Tristan Harris, who is a limited hangout specialist for big tech, was saying all of this stuff five and six years ago. And then the fake limited hangout whistleblower from Facebook earlier this year, Francis Hogan, said all the same things as well. These algorithms are showing you things that control your mood and your behavior. That is what it exists for. But it's not just you that the algorithm works on. When you have the big influencer accounts, whether it's in politics or sports or the entertainment industry, doesn't matter. Those big accounts have certain features and the algorithm helps them in certain ways so that they are not upset by their experience on the apps, because if they are upset by their experience on the apps too often, they will leave the apps. They won't keep saying the things that create the negative response. This is why I imagine that last week or maybe 10 days, maybe it was two weeks ago, AOC freaked out because she wasn't getting her mentions fed to her in the right way. That's why a lot of people are freaking out about the fact that everyone can have a blue check mark for $8 a month and be able to participate in a conversation 
that these people were able to entirely avoid before. The machine exists to control who sees what. It also exists to influence the emotional well-being of the people using the app. If you're a no-no person who says the no-no things, the app is going to try to make you feel bad. And it does this while protecting everyone else because what they want is to keep the conversation at the intellectual kids table within the proper boundaries. Everyone knows there are things you're not allowed to say, and everyone will refuse to say those things if they believe no one else is saying them either. But if people start saying them and the people at the intellectual kids table begin to realize that people are saying the no, no things and not getting in trouble. Well, then they understand that they're allowed to say the no, no things too. And this is how conversations change. Now, in an uncensored environment like we have for the most part on Telegram and Truth and Gab and Getter, we have the opportunity to direct the conversation toward truth. This is not only done by having influencers or people with larger platforms. And by the way, my platform is not very big, guys. I'm not like the ultimate champion right now or anything. I'm just a link in the chain, a step in the process as the truth moves outward from a really small place to a larger and larger place that continues expanding as long as the message is true. But the volume applies there as well. And the truth is, you don't know how much you can get away with saying if you never test it. You have to test it. A lot of people are worried. Oh, I'm going to lose followers if I post too often about X or Y or Z. And maybe you will lose followers. But if what you're saying is good and valuable, then those followers will be replaced with people who actually understand what's going on and value the information you're providing, they might actually build you up so you become more confident and you continue to share. They might teach you new things because now you're looking at their information and you can get rid of all the fear of being punished. First of all, because the punishment is not that bad. There's nothing wrong with losing people from your life if those people turn on you as soon as you start saying true things. Those are not people who are going to make it to the end, my friends. It's nice to be available for them if they're able to figure it out. It's nice to welcome them with open arms if they want to come back to reality. But otherwise, I'm not sure where everyone sees this all going. The power of memes is their virality, the simplicity with which they can deliver a message and then how easy it becomes to distribute that message really broadly. But it doesn't only have to be memes. This can be true of any information as long as that information is good. And if you understand that we're in an information war, then the way to win that is by getting truth out, by getting good information out to the largest number of people. And you shouldn't hesitate to hammer on that. If you're seeing relevant election information that is exposing the election fraud and you can share that out to 200 people on Instagram, well, if you're not seeing those 200 people posting about election fraud, then there's a good chance that none of them know it. 
And so now it's your responsibility to make sure that they do and let the chips fall where they may. You're not always going to be happy with the outcome of each and every post. If you are getting your self-confidence and your validation from a few likes on social media every day, I would suggest that you need to focus more on getting your real life in order. Social media should not be the source of your happiness or your satisfaction with your life. You cannot hold that stuff as so valuable that you think your world's going to fall apart if you lose it. It also turns out that we are in a pretty important period of American history right now. And if we want to turn this country around, then the truth needs to be held in higher regard than the risk of your cousin Diane not talking to you for two weeks. But the important thing is to understand how these platforms work and how you can use the way these platforms work to spread truth more effectively. You don't actually need social media to keep in touch with your friends and family and to find out what's going on with them. You can pick up the phone and call them. You can email them. If they're not too far away, you can visit them in person. You don't need the Facebook connection. You don't need the Instagram connection. You don't need the Twitter connection. We are trying to turn this country around and we're trying to do it in the middle of information warfare. And you are provided access to one of the most significant information weapons in the history of mankind, if not the most significant. And if your goal is to make impact and to help that process along, then the best way you can do that is by having the courage to share true yet potentially uncomfortable information with as many people as possible. The way to do that is by engaging with good information, which means clicking like more people will see that post. That's how the algorithms generally work on the legacy platforms. If you see something in your feed that the other people you associate with probably need to know, reshare that information. If it's not packaged up the way you like, if something is said in a way that you don't think will connect with people who might be open to seeing it, repackage it for yourself. Credit where the ideas came from so that people can find their way back to those sources themselves. But the point is that everyone understands what the truth is, and that process is slow, and it's often frustrating. But people need to know that this is not just a counting process that takes a long time because it's so important that they get every little bit of it right. It is election theft happening in real time while everyone is watching. So you need to be sure that people understand what exactly it is. This is why I'm not playing the horse race game on the Kerry Lake election in Arizona. I'm not saying it's not important. It's very important. And if you are interested in following the numbers day to day, go right ahead and do it. Spread that all around. Show the people you interact with how the process is going. Point out ways that the process doesn't make sense. And I'm more than happy to continue sharing that stuff online, but I'm not going to focus the podcast on it yet because the process in a very important way isn't real. They will either generate enough fraudulent ballots and votes 
to prevent Carrie Lake from winning or they will not. One way or another, it'll either be Katie Hobbs or Carrie Lake. If the TV tells us that Katie Hobbs is the winner, then the process simply enters another phase. The response is not to throw our hands up and say, Carrie Lake can't even win. Our entire country is going to fall to communism and we will never elect another candidate ever again. Okay. What are you going to do now that you've whined? Are you just going to accept that as the future? You can go rejoin the communists, attempt to rejoin the party of false decorum, a couple rungs lower on the ladder than you were when you left. Maybe if you serve them well enough, you'll get a few more nice things and you can attempt to have the most comfortable ride possible as the country falls apart. I know people are disappointed and frustrated, but we're not in a different situation now than we were in a week ago before the election. We already knew that they steal elections. I've said on this show many times that I think it's important that we all go out and vote and put those votes on the record in case things are audited and we can see which votes the real ones were. And it's certainly important as a show of force. It is important that we may well win the popular vote nationwide, that more people will have gone out and voted for Republicans than Democrats. There is a level of importance to that. There were strategies to overwhelm the fraud, and maybe in a couple of places, there's a chance that could have worked. But I've always been of the mind, we are not going to get the results we want from a system that is awash in fraud. It is not just the Democrats. It is the Uniparty. They are selecting winners in these races. Don't pretend that they wouldn't trade a Brian Kemp governorship in Georgia for a John Fetterman Senate seat and a Josh Shapiro governorship in Pennsylvania. They absolutely would make that trade. And both sides of the Uniparty are happy with that trade. Mitch McConnell didn't want a Senate majority or he would have tried to get one. Why doesn't Mitch McConnell want a Senate majority? Well, then he's not responsible for anything. He can select who will vote for what based on the needs of the donor class and the global agenda, which helps because the result needed will be achieved with Republicans helping the Democrats. And he can also protect certain Republican senators from having to vote in ways that might hurt them. Being the Senate minority leader can be a very, very profitable position, especially when you put that in opposition to what could have happened, that someone else other than Mitch McConnell would have been the Senate majority leader. So the likelihood that we had wins in various places around the country because election fraud was eliminated in Florida. No, it probably wasn't. And we got voter ID in Georgia. We passed some election integrity measures. Yeah, but they're still stealing Raphael Warnock's Senate seat. You can't simply organize to outvote and overwhelm the election fraud. That does not mean there's no point to organizing and that there's no point to voting. You just can't expect the results you want from a fraudulent system designed to make sure you don't get those results, especially when 
both sides are in on it together. Now, there may be a range of solutions that include powerful forces moving into the situation and taking control that we did not know they have. But until that point, we can't depend on that. What we can do is continue to spread truth. The truth about election fraud, when it is fully publicly known, will be one of the most powerful forces in our culture. Knowing that our elections are stolen, they are decided for us, and that it has been this way for a long time is a pretty powerful wake up to anyone who comes in contact with the reality of that situation. We are now in a period where people all of a sudden are open to hearing that argument because they're seeing it happen in front of their faces in real time. And it's not about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It doesn't matter that they have all these negative feelings about Donald Trump. Oh, I could never vote for a man who tweets such mean things. Oh, he's so divisive. And I just want to be able to unify with all the liberals in my community. I want to stay in the party of false decorum because my life benefits in so many ways from me never actually speaking out about anything important. Donald Trump's not on the ballot. This is Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs. It's one very, very talented and seemingly principled politician who seems to be committed to serving the people of Arizona against a woman who is stealing her own election while everyone watches. It is not the same conversation and it's not the same conversation for them because they can't get punished in the same ways for saying, hey, it looks like something weird is going on in Arizona that they could for saying that Joe Biden was stealing the election from Donald Trump. Because then they get all the stuff about, oh, what are you supporting Donald Trump? He's so evil, blah, blah, blah. And people didn't want to hear that. So they took the easy way out. Well, this isn't the same thing. People can talk about this and people need to talk about it. A poll was released by Rasmussen over the weekend. 62% of the Americans polled said that they were concerned about cheating in the 2022 midterms. That came out four days after the midterm. Four days after the midterm and 62% of Americans are already saying to a pollster that they are concerned that cheating dictated the outcomes of the 2022 midterm elections. That is enormous. And it's not the only interesting factor at play in that poll. 56% said that they would support audits of the elections. Now, that not only tells you how serious they are about trying to fix the problems that they are seeing in real time with their own eyes. It also tells you what they felt about the Maricopa County audit from last year. The media told them that was a sham audit, a fraud. It remember that very smart word that even tiny children can understand, which is why they use words like that. That was all supposed to be a big joke, big hoax. Well, I don't think MSNBC was all that successful if over half the country already wants to see the elections from last Tuesday audited. And what's going to happen as the media continues to tell them that our elections are very safe and very secure and nothing could ever go wrong in our elections? They're going to see that the media is lying again. 
for the infinitieth time. Again, I'm not concerned with the outcomes as described to us by the television. The best possible result for the midterm elections is that the country sees election fraud in full once and for all. And it looks like we are barreling down that path at high speed. Now, if your perspective of how all this is going is dictated by your communities on legacy social media, then it's no surprise that you would find all of this upsetting. And again, I get it. It would be so nice to have the easiest possible option happen every time. And finally, the world is woken up to truth and everything has been set back in place. That's not where we are. Those things only become possible when enough people understand what the truth is. And by the way, I think we're probably reaching that point. A large portion of the country now understands our elections are stolen. They're watching it happen. There are other people who will say that our elections are not stolen, but when they realize that everyone else can see it and they can't, they're going to back off those positions again. This is why it's important to spread truth. There are some people who will not believe it no matter what, because they are incentivized to such a degree that they will never admit it. And they are worried about being punished for saying the true thing. Some of these people are never going to come around. You got to understand that. And you can't let the way they respond to situations dictate the way we respond to situations. Now, I want to be sure that we talk about the other massive story this weekend, which is the collapse of the crypto exchange FTX, because from what we know so far, this looks like a large and perhaps all encompassing scandal. So I'm going to include some audio for some background in case you're not yet familiar with what's going on. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried was the largest donor to the Democrat Party, second to George Soros, for the spurious 2022 midterms. Nearly $40 million, which reportedly came from crypto donations to Ukraine. FTX was partnered with the World Economic Forum as one of Klaus Schwab's stakeholders. FTX's founder reportedly used a secret backdoor to steal over a billion dollars from the customers of the now defunct cryptocurrency exchange. But there's more to the story than Sam Bankman freed and a money laundering slush fund for the failing Democrat Party. The CEO for FTX was Caroline Ellison, whose father is Glenn Ellison, head of the MIT Economics Department. Glenn Ellison hired Gary Gensler to head the cryptocurrency department at MIT in 2018. And in 2021, the Biden administration nominated Gary Gensler as the chair of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, who has been laser focused on gaining control of cryptocurrency. While the SEC has been routinely combative towards cryptos, they have treated FTX like family causing many to argue that FTX was being groomed and set up by the SEC to monopolize the crypto market. FTX was an exchange that had a bright sheen on it. It was led by a CEO that was often on Capitol Hill and being photographed with regulators and lawmakers. 
And so there was this sense that the exchange was very buttoned up. Cryptocurrency has the potential to strip power from the central banking system, and that makes it a major threat. As this story unfolds, don't be surprised if this mess becomes the catalyst for government overreach into cryptocurrencies. The journal reporting the CEO allegedly using customer money from FTX to fund risky bets at his other company, a hedge fund called Alameda. Many people believe that this will definitely set back the crypto industry for years. You know, this is a tale as old as time to some degree. Some young charismatic guy in Bermuda shorts with the floppy hair uh, charmed the 20 best investors in the world. Rebecca, the big question here, was this a mistake by the founders or a crime? Well, that's a question the regulators will ultimately have to answer here. This is Sam Bankman-Fried. People call him SBF. He's the founder of FTX. He also controlled a crypto hedge fund called Alameda Research, but that's all gone now. He wants you to think he's this sweet guy. He even bought in a famous YouTuber who called him the most generous man in the world. Yep, that happened. Truth is, Sam Bankman-Fried is a liar and a crook. His personal crypto FTX token was basically a Ponzi scheme hidden below layers of Moonbro jargon. He even went on Bloomberg's podcast and bragged about it. Yep, that happened. He used his Ponzi token as collateral to borrow billions of real dollars that he couldn't pay back. He then used those real dollars to build an empire out of dying companies like Voyager and BlockFi. This led Jim Cramer to call him the new JP Morgan. That's weird. It's not like Jim Cramer to promote a billionaire con artist. SBF sold people cryptos like Bitcoin, or so they thought. What they really bought from SBF was an IOU. But as long as everyone didn't cash in their IOU at the same time, the scheme worked. Until it didn't. This other a-hole who hates SBF came along and engineered a bank run with some passive-aggressive tweets. It worked. SBF didn't have enough money to repay everyone at once, and now his customers have lost everything. He'll be happy to know that this is exactly how every bank in the world operates. So where did all the money go? He misappropriated $4 billion trying to save his failing hedge fund. Whoops, that's a felony. He spent $21 million on Super Bowl commercials, $5 million for the big guy, $40 million in campaign donations. I wonder what he wanted in return. And everyone who's pointing at this story and saying, this is exactly why we need to regulate crypto. Remember that SBF stole billions. That's already a crime. And he spent a lot of it on bribing politicians. Also a crime in order to create a crypto monopoly for himself. Government regulations don't protect the customers. They protect the crooks. That's exactly what SBF was trying to do. So there's a bit of background. I want to mention two things before I go into some other stuff about this issue, just about how the media has been covering this. The first thing is that we are being told that we should be focused on the fact that he was funding Democrats. Now, first of all, it wasn't just Democrats. But second, we need to remember not to focus on the little D or the little R next to somebody's name. He's funding both sides. It's more about funding the Uniparty. And as I was mentioning earlier, the Uniparty participates in all of the corruption. They participate in the selection of winners in elections. They participate in the cover-up of election fraud. They participate in the Slava Ukraini so that they can send millions and billions of of American taxpayer dollars overseas so that it is washed and comes right back and pays them. They support the war efforts. They allow for the killing and they allow it all to continue unabated because they are benefiting from it. The second thing is that the media is focused almost exclusively on the characters, but not the real ones. So it's Sam Bankman-Fried, the guy who's the face 
of this corrupt little system and the creepy looking weirdos around him. And they're focused on the celebrities who are losing a lot of money because they were involved in FTX. People like Tom Brady and Stephen Curry from the Golden State Warriors. And in focusing on these people, you distract from what the real problem is. And the real problem is all of the politicians and the other corrupt actors setting this program up and benefiting from it. There is no reason to believe that Sam Bankman Freed and his creepy little partners sitting around on beanbag chairs and fleeing to the Bahamas or Argentina or Dubai did all of this as rogue actors. This is what we're always shown and what we're always told and what we're always taught to believe about these tech companies. Oh, it's just this eccentric genius who set up this technology, really wanting to change the world for the better. And then something happened and he was able to convince all of these people, oh, this is the best thing. This is the best thing for everyone. And then they all go into it together. And it turns out, oh, it's not that good. And it all starts falling apart or it all starts creating great evil in the world, like Facebook, for instance. And then all the blame goes on the fall guy at the front of the organization. And there are some distractions about whose financial life was destroyed by this huge crime. And, oh, we feel so bad for the professional athletes. And then let's just move on. Think about Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Jeffrey Epstein was captured and imprisoned, and then he immediately killed himself in prison, although probably not. And Ghislaine Maxwell was captured. There was no mugshot. She was in jail for a long time. She was in a trial, and now she's gone away forever, and we've taken down the two evil people, and that's all there is. No. We need to see the black book. We need to know all of the people who are involved with these people. We can't just get sidetracked into Sam Bankman Freed's weirdness and the weirdness of the partners. We know that worldwide global corruption and money laundering was being facilitated through this operation. And we know about the political influence. There is no reason to imagine that that all doesn't just simply work together as a system. Does Sam Bankman freed from what you've seen so far seem like the sort of guy who can trick the smartest and wealthiest people in the world out of their money? Or does it seem like a scam where the people who will be most harmed by this are just individual investors who thought they were trading on a secure platform? Or even worse, all of the people around the world who are harmed downstream of all this corruption, when they're stealing elections, when they are paying all of this money to the politicians, the idea that they're just putting up TV ads so that normies and people who don't pay much attention to politics will vote one way or another is insane. They have a massive operation to steal elections. That is what we have learned conclusively. Over the last two years, those operations are well-funded. The comedian Sam Tripoli pointed out on Twitter last night that it was curious in 2020 that the money laundering scheme for Democrats in elections was operated through Black Lives Matter. If you'll recall, donations to Black Lives Matter 
were processed through the Democrat fundraising platform, Act Blue. You'll also remember that on the executive board of Black Lives Matter's fiscal sponsor sat a woman named Susan Rosenberg. Susan Rosenberg was part of the May 19th communist organization responsible for bombing the U.S. Capitol. She was imprisoned until Bill Clinton pardoned her on his last day in office. Black Lives Matter was never just some grassroots organization that wanted to make black lives better and stop police violence. We had a big social justice cause that went out all over social media. Everybody has to give their money to Black Lives Matter. That's how to be a good person. This year, we didn't have Black Lives Matter. We had the war in Ukraine. Everybody has to get behind the war. Oh, the brave people of Ukraine. Oh, now we have a comedic actor who's one of the best leaders in the entire world. Sean Penn gave him an Oscar for being the best actor as a world leader. And because it's so important, because we don't want to let Russia take over the sovereign nation of Ukraine, we need to be okay with American taxpayer dollars being endlessly committed to the war effort there, even while they're funding a Nazi army. Now, the crazy thing about this is that it's all being focused on the fact that Sam Bankman Freed was contributing to Democrat politicians. We talked about how it's actually the Uniparty. We are seeing what establishment Republicans, what the Uniparty members with the little R next to their name are doing right now. They're trying to destroy Trump. They're trying to demoralize MAGA. And they're trying to talk about how what Republicans need to do to fix the fraud is actually out harvest the ballot harvesters. What they're saying is we all need to accept the system as it is and just work harder and smarter. And when we say smarter, what we mean is get rid of MAGA and support the Republican establishment even more. And they are putting themselves in direct opposition to the Democrats. We're the only ones who can save you from all of this woke nonsense. That's why organizations like the Daily Wire are so committed to talking about the woke nonsense. They're saying, this is your enemy. These people are your enemy. We're your friends. We're the ones who are going to save you from the woke nonsense. The only people preventing us from saving you from the woke nonsense are the MAGA people. Now, that sounds exactly, exactly like what we are told by the Democrats when it comes to climate change. We are going to save the earth from the sun. And if you want us to save the earth from the sun, you need to give us all the power. Anyone who doesn't help us fix climate change is the enemy. And you know who the biggest enemy is? You know who the people are who are preventing us from fixing climate change? Oh, it's Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans again. And the Daily Wire people will say, oh, well, that's not true. Saving the earth from the sun isn't all they're making it out to be. What the real enemy is, it's the gender people. But in both cases, the problem is the MAGA people. The problem is the people who want to retain their individual sovereignty. 
and their national sovereignty. The problem is the populists who believe government should work for their benefit and a government of the people, by the people and for the people should be following the will of the people. It's amazing how we're the problem in both situations, isn't it? Especially while the Daily Wire is on our side. So these people are not trustworthy at all. The Democrats might be their nemesis in some way. They might not be trying to help the Democrats in every situation, but they're in it all together. So they can do this as part of an attempt to make Democrats look like the bad guys. But if they're saying that the only solution to Democrat election cheating is that we need to figure out how they cheat and do it too. Well, first of all, that can never work. But second of all, it's obviously not the right solution. So why are they so focused on selling us a wrong solution? It's like they don't want to solve the problem. So don't focus this on the Democrats. Democrat is already a pretty bad brand that is continuing to go downhill. And the Uniparty doesn't really need to support that brand all that much, particularly right now. So they may be perfectly happy to let this situation go because the situation is providing another benefit. And we heard it mentioned just briefly in that audio. They want to regulate crypto markets. This is showing the public that crypto markets must be regulated or something terrible like this could happen again. And what solution will we be given? Well, all the cryptos can be regulated out of existence, more or less. The ones that remain will all be controlled. And then we'll finally have the central bank digital currency that is just the one powerful cryptocurrency to rule them all. This is Sam Bankman free. Does this seem like some sort of mastermind? He seems to me like the yellow guy in Sin City and he is dressed like a child. He's wearing a T-shirt and shorts for this interview. He's sitting on the stool like a gargoyle. The whole thing is ridiculous. And the video mentioned earlier that he did with the YouTube influencer is equally absurd. The whole thing honestly seems like a parody. It is too ridiculous to even believe it's real in some sense. But have a listen to this guy. We only had a few days to make some of these decisions. What we basically came to believe was the following. The first was that, if possible, it would be extremely valuable to the ecosystem to backstop some of these places. First of all, just backstopping customers and making sure they're protected. But second of all, stopping contagion from spreading through the ecosystem, right? Stopping it from being the case that anyone who transitively did business with any chain of people who did business with one of the troubled assets themselves became troubled. And then the secondary goal um, was maybe there are good trades to do. Maybe there's an investment or acquisition that can be done at, you know, terms that we'd be excited about, given the sort of need for capital right now. And there's your mastermind. The guy seems to me like a fall guy. This seems to be a cover story for something much bigger and much more scandalous and significant. And so we need to remember not to get trapped in the minutiae here or think that this is all about just Democrats. It's not. If you didn't understand it before, understand it now. 
the GOP establishment, the GOP elite, conservative incorporated media. These people are not your friends. The underlying principles of the Republican Party may well be far superior to the underlying principles of the Democrat Party, but functionally, they are basically the same. Now, I want to hit one more part of this before I go. There was some really interesting stuff posted by Neon Revolt on Gab, and he had copied it over from an account called BitBoy, which I think was on Wall Street Bets. Here's the post. It says, Dan Friedberg did it. SBF, that's Sam Bankman Freed, is just a fall guy. Biggest fraud in history, misdirection. All images of Dan Friedberg have been deleted from the Internet. As the scale of the fraud mounting into the deca billions is discovered, we are distracted by the pantomime being played out with SBF and his gang of four. It is all misdirection. The puppet master behind the scenes is Dan Friedberg. FTX legal counsel. While the world is focused on leaked stories of drug fueled sex orgies at the Bahama penthouse of SBF, Harry Potter math defect Caroline Ellison, and strange hacks on FTX draining the remaining value of client funds, we don't see much about Dan Friedberg. He is back at home scrubbing the internet, destroying all evidence and draining any remaining funds. Sources confirm that search warrants are prepared. Freezing orders have started and arrests await the finalization of immunity deals with witnesses turned state's evidence. And again, just a note, these sources cannot be confirmed and it doesn't seem that they have been at this time. So take this with a grain of salt. It's information among other information. But at minimum, this seems like it's probably valuable to consider. One lawyer close to Friedberg is saying Friedberg is making the rounds, laying the foundations for the reconstructed narrative that it was the gang of four and he was on the outside. The financial reporting system was designed deliberately so that only the gang of four and Dan, of course, who created it, knew the real financials. That way, like the latest hack that bypasses any alerts, is part of the Friedberg God mode backdoor. And God mode is the slang term for the ability an operator might have when they have full access to a system and can get any information and make the changes, etc. Friedberg deliberately chose young millennials he could manipulate. The baby general counsel for FTX that Friedberg installed, Can Sun, is reported as having a breakdown and in tears. It appears that the true Boy Scout that remains at FTX is general counsel Ryan Miller. He is the prosecutor's best bet at piercing the Friedberg narrative. Friedberg is not just an attorney pulling the strings. He has a long history of fraud. He set up several online businesses, especially in online poker, with the infamous God mode that allowed him and his associates to see all the bets the players were making, their cash position and vulnerabilities, and would be able to swoop in at the right time to fleece them of their funds. Sounds familiar? It should. It is the same setup with SBF exchanges, Alameda as a market maker and competing projects like the shitcoin Solana and shitcoins refers to new cryptocurrencies that don't really seem to do anything and don't really seem to have any backing, any use case, but they are widely marketed 
People put all their money into them. They spike. They become a national story. More people pile their money in. And then the whole thing collapses to nothing and the money's all gone. But back to the post. But there is more. Occasionally, Dan would get caught. You can't rob all of the people all the time forever. Dan nearly did. High profile people like Ben Affleck get scammed too. But when he got caught, he had a playbook. Number one, find a patsy and pay them well. Number two, Use God mode to drain all the funds from the operation so there is nothing for the victims to go after. Number three, fabricate the evidence. Backdated transactions so empty corporate shells are elevated and get sworn statements from persons who can support the perversion of justice. Number four, pay off anyone you absolutely have to and shut them up with an NDA. Invariably, they are also financially decimated. The absolute poker slash ultimate bet Super user scandal had voice recordings where Dan Friedberg is caught red handed. Even his coaching of witnesses to give false evidence was leaked. Yet somehow he escaped. He didn't even lose his New York law license. Will his connections over at the New York Bar Association save him in this global scandal now? As Mr. Hussein Farage, CEO of New Genesis, wrote to Friedberg back in April 2022 when Friedberg thought he ruled the world as its puppet master. You are a deeply stupid person. And so it appears. Dan is widely said to be a one trick pony with limited intellectual capacity allowed to develop his overinflated hubris. Sure, there will be a deluge of stories about the weird SBF, baby executives at Alameda and FTX too inexperienced to understand how Dan pulled the strings. The final FTX hack to drain what is left of client funds on FTX exchanges was precisely a God mode style operation. Whilst Kraken claimed to have one side of the transaction, the FTX response team trying to counter the hack, the hacker remains unknown. New Genesis, sworn to take down Dan Friedberg as the puppet master, have deployed a multi-level AI system, Navis to isolate the Dan Friedberg modus operandi going back as far as chain analysis allows. New Genesis have identified what is now confirmed by Huboy that SBF was behind the collapse of Luna, UST, 3AW, and many more which feature the trademark patterns of uncommercial trades, which are huge loss makers in themselves to trigger the price crash. The market makers do the rest. And I am certainly not an expert at this stuff, but there were some at least pretty compelling arguments in the aftermath of the Luna crash that what had happened was essentially a parallel in nature to the way George Soros manipulates markets. So the connection here between Sam Bankman Freed and Luna and what happened there is very interesting vis-a-vis Soros. Let's go to part two of this post. Freeberg appears to create single use corporate shells for each dirty transaction. This may give investors hope that these fraudulent conveyances can be clawed back for the full six years permitted under U.S. law, but few hold any real hopes of any recovery. Who is behind Freeberg that could protect him? Freeberg was instrumental to using USDC as means of affecting intelligence sources, paying off the Venezuelan opposition forces to test run the USDC for dirty dealings with conditions built into the crypto to ensure those receiving it do what they are paid to do. However, 
USDC has moved to the control of BlackRock. The intelligence community, especially intelligence, have no real use for Friedberg anymore. He is now a liability. Friedberg may hope that if there is an accident where the gang of four might no longer be among the living, his problems are gone. All the most damaging and direct evidence of what happened, particularly tying to him, would die with them. While dead men don't talk, New Genesis boasts that Friedberg has continued to underestimate their pioneering technology. That is the same technology that exposed the counterfeit crypto created on FTX exchanges and the fake volume manipulating the markets. As the Biden administration and officials are being dragged into the crypto fraud scandal, the most convenient outcome is that Friedberg is the one who has the accident. So potentially a higher up fall guy, but still a fall guy nonetheless. And what you would be seeing is the intentional burning of compromised assets. And I'm talking about people here after they have outlasted their usefulness. Back to the post. In the meantime, the sideshows and misdirection go on. Crypto influencers are blaming those of their brethren with 50,000 to 100,000 plus per month in FTX sponsorship for endorsing the influx of users on the FTX controlled exchanges. Whether it is the sycophantic Max Marr, who shilled SBF as the modern day JP Morgan to save the crypto industry, or Andre Jeek, Tom Nash, and many others. In defense, they point to the deluge of advertising money that worked with the Miami Heat, FTX Arena, enveloped huge investments from Sequoia Capital amongst a large number of VCs and the celebrity power of Tom Brady, Tom Leary, Larry David, and the list goes on. F1 Team Mercedes, TSM Esports, and Major League Baseball even signed up to a long-term partnership with FTX, a blame game that keeps Dan Friedberg out of the spotlight. The greatest misdirection is the case for regulation. We have the world almost begging to be regulated. Simple minds need simple solutions, clutching for hope that technocrats will fix things for them. Is any more law than common law fraud relevant here? There is no loophole that SBF avoided. It was simply fraud, counterfeit crypto and fake volume. This lack of regulation misdirection has its own misdirection that it is portrayed as cryptocurrencies that need to be regulated. It is not cryptocurrency that failed here. Decentralization did not fail. It was the anti-crypto centralized exchanges and monopolies that failed here. Regulating cryptocurrencies and their evolution to put more control in the hands of fewer monopolists close to regulators is precisely what SBF was advocating. There is substantial evidence that at least New Genesis was making submissions to regulators and administrators internationally since March 2022. New Genesis had supplied evidence of counterfeit crypto used on SBF exchanges, fake volume and consequent fraudulent accounting. Box loads of data and AI based chain analytics proved the case. They provided video recordings from exchange executives admitting to being instructed from Friedberg to destroy evidence and shift crypto without consent from client accounts. Exchange staff even resigned over it. However, no one listened all the way. Dan Friedberg and team stalled, delayed and procrastinated to keep new Genesis from going to court and exposing it all. Where were your regulators? Gary Gensler was meeting with SBF. Where were the legislators? They were meeting with SBF lobbyists. 
Draconian regulation will not substitute for ineffective enforcement. This is a simple case of common law fraud, which all countries of the world have in common. The editors of Inside Crypto make an invitation to Dan Friedberg. We will pay your airfares to come to Lebanon begging that you sue us. The Lebanese police will take care of your accommodation costs. So once again, the takeaway is don't get caught in the morass that is the official story given to you by the news. We don't need the central narrative. The central narrative can inform us in certain ways. It can tell us which directions to go in, because remember, the one thing the central narrative is always correct about, the one thing the television will tell you that is true is what they want you to believe. They're going to say, look over here. Don't look over there. When they say don't look over there, that's where to look. Figure out what it is they want you to believe, what it is they want you to ignore, and then work from there knowing that their purpose is to deceive you. But never get caught up in the minutiae. These are not random occurrences that just so happen to connect to the Ukraine war and and political campaigns in the United States in an election we know was just decided by fraud. And it's not just a Ponzi scheme that captured some celebrities. And it's not just a convenient excuse to push for the regulation of cryptocurrencies. It is all of those things, but it is also a whole lot more. And the whole lot more is where the good stuff is going to be. So we keep on going. We keep pushing that out there. We see new good information. We repost it. We engage with it. We thank people for their good work. We tell people when they're doing bad work. And by the way, I'm not saying you have to keep thanking me all the time. I'm going to keep going no matter what. Focus your energies elsewhere. I appreciate the feedback and the support, but I'm going to be just fine. I keep going. People with big platforms who are on the right path and they're just trying to figure things out. They're way behind the curve. They might be two years behind on everything that matters. But if they start saying right things, help them in that direction. If someone's just figuring out that our elections get stolen, say, hey, I guess you're just figuring this out. People have been studying this for two years. Why don't you check out the work of Seth Keschel? Why don't you check out the work of Catherine Engelbrecht? Why don't you check out the work of Lone Raccoon, Jeff O'Donnell? Hey, maybe it's time that you get over the fact that you don't like Mike Lindell's voice and understand that he actually does work with cyber experts, including Dennis Montgomery. Continue pushing people to that next level. There is always a level of understanding beyond the one you have right now. And that's where we need to get to. We get all the way there and we have the power to fix everything. And it's not something immediate. So you can be frustrated for a little while. You can be a little depressed. You don't need to share that feeling with everybody. You don't need to tell everybody, oh, this is so bad. Nothing's ever going to happen. Nothing's ever going to get fixed. Well, it certainly isn't going to if you are trying to take the wind out of everybody's sails or if you feel like other people agreeing with your depression is somehow going to make you feel better and more validated and more justified in spreading that nonsense around. Please don't do it. If you need a break from social media, take a break from social media. Get your real life in order. If your real life is in order, 
and you're upset, you're frustrated, you're depressed, figure out a way you can help. That's how we're going to get there. World events are changing quickly right now. I don't know what Donald Trump is going to announce tomorrow night, but he seems pretty convinced that it's going to be something big. This is what he said on Truth Social, and I'll leave you with this. He said, hopefully tomorrow will turn out to be one of the most important days in the history of our country. Now, that is an enormous setup. I don't know what he's going to be delivering, but it doesn't sound like an announcement that he's running for president in 2024. Now, is this all a setup and he's trying to draw people out and influence a situation in one way or another? Hey, maybe. I don't know what to expect. Don't get your hopes up. Don't ignore it. It's real simple. Control that which you can control and try not to get all bent out of shape about those things you can't control. Remember that our enemy is ultimately evil. They are incompetent narcissists. The television is always going to tell you that they are winning and that they are all powerful and that they are all knowing. The television is always wrong. We have some smart and competent and capable and faithful people on our side. And you have to remember that when you're getting upset. Keep your heads up. So many things are being exposed. So much is finally appearing in the public awareness now. This is not the time to give up and think everything's over. What's happening right now is rather amazing. And if it takes us a few depressive days to have millions of people wake up to things that we have already understood and that we are living with and trying to overcome and they get on board and they're trying to overcome them too, then that is what is necessary and what has to happen to continue pushing this process forward. Your responsibility is to continue to keep your mental and emotional outlook in check so that you can continue being productive for yourself, for your family, for your friends, for your community, and for your country. If you need a break, take a break, but then get right back out there. We've got a country to turn around. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!